Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Up you guys, Sean Rossap, Fightful, here with a name you know, but we haven't seen him here on Fightful before, but you've seen him all across YouTube, all across the internet. We got Wrestling With Regrets, Brian Zane celebrating 10 years, 10 years of Wrestling With Regret. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing good, man, and I'm feeling every one of those ten years. It's been, uh, it's been quite a long journey. Uh, never thought I would get this far. Uh, certainly not this far and get paid to do it. So it's just been, it's been a great ride, and I'm happy that you know to be celebrating the anniversary this week here alongside you. You and I've been, hey, uh, we've been friends for a little while, chatting on on Twitter, meeting up occasionally, WrestleMania weekends, Starcast and whatnot. So yeah, it's good to finally have this time here on Fightful. Very excited. So I want to kind of go into how I discovered wrestling with regret in 2016. I, I wrote an article that, that kind of changed my career. I interviewed Muhammad Hassan. It was the first time he had been interviewed about wrestling, I think since he left, except for maybe something he did for a graphic novel. And I kept the rights to that article. And then when Fightful started, I was like, well, I'd really like Fightful to get that SEO. And I was like, okay, I need a thumbnail for this. I need a video because what we do is we embed video URLs at the top of our articles. And I typed in Muhammad Hassan and I watched your video and it was the most incredible like look at his run that I had ever seen. And I was like, man, this is this is perfect to put at the top of this because this it added so many different layers and, and emotions to what exactly it is that we saw with Muhammad Hassan, which was an Italian man portraying a stereotype of somebody mm-hmm. else. What's the wildest way you've heard of somebody becoming acquainted with your content? 
Oh man. Um, I think the, the craziest experience for me finding out that somebody else had watched my stuff. Well, the top one for me was like when, uh, what was it? I think it was 2015 when I did the Cornette gets it wrong skit. Oh yeah. And Jim Cornette himself retweeted that. And like <laughs> that same day also like Cole Cabana and Nick Jackson did too. So it's like talk about opposite ends of the spectrum approving this one video. Um, but that was definitely like, you know, I could not focus on my day job for the rest of the, of the week after that happened. Um, in person, though, I think the wildest for me was uh, I was at WrestleCon in 2017 in Orlando. And I remember, like, going around, getting this, like, B-roll for my, my vlog that I was shooting. And I remember just before I was about to film one shot, I was standing kind of close to the BWO table. Oh, yeah. And then, like, as I'm just about to hit record, I see Stevie Richards just, like, walk right in front of my lens like that. And it's like, he's like this close to me. And I'm like, and I'm like, uh, hi there, Mr. Richards. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know, big fan of your work. I'm like, whoa, okay. That was like totally disarming. And as we're talking, all of a sudden, like one man gang, who's like the table over, just walks by and he's like, I like your stuff too, kid. I'm like, what is going on? One man now? gang. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know I've he had the internet. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. That was kind of a shock. And so. Yeah, those are really cool like moments, and like I picked up little moments like that like uh, a lot in the last ten years. People who I would never have expected to w see my stuff. Like I actually, uh, I talked this this year in LA. I talked to a referee who said like, "Oh, like I was introduced to your channel from like from Natty and, and Natalia and TJ Wilson." I'm like, they know who I am. Like what? <laughs> like, that, that makes no sense to me. But it's like uh yeah it's just been crazy like the what what the the wrestlers who reached out to me the people in the business like that's to me how i know that like on some level i've made it it's like if if the boys and if the if the wrestlers like know who i am and like and they don't hate my guts like it's great <laughs> if that didn't tell you that you made it i think you've got at least i think you got five videos that have cracked a million one that's cracked a couple million how did it feel and what goes through your mind as you're seeing that view count like just just go up 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 and then it hits that million threshold because that's a major milestone for somebody who creates content whether it be for a hobby for a living just in general you hit that benchmark it's 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 a major milestone yeah no it's it's great i wish that of those videos that reached a million i wish i was getting they were monetized but they're, <laughs> because they're the older videos and it's before i knew how to edit more cleverly you know and so everything got taken down but um yeah no hitting a million is always really cool like haven't hit that number in, in a little while but the ones that did hit it's like it is very validating like when there's that many people who want to watch your stuff because like youtube is this endless sea of content there's so many creators out there I think I read somewhere the other day, there's like a hundred million channels out there technically wow. like some rough number and like less than 1% of that number have subscriber counts of over a hundred thousand. So, you know, you just do that math and you realize just the statistical improbability of having videos that get that many views. It's, it's, it's wild. You know, it's just something that I never, like, none of what I'm experiencing now is anything I could have predicted to happen. Like, 10 years ago when I was just doing this as a hobby and like, oh, I just want to like kind of like be wrestling's nostalgia critic or wrestling's angry video game nerd. I always loved angry video game nerd as well. And that's that is what it reminded me of when I when I came across wrestling with regret. 
was that the, like what was the specific tipping point that you remember where you're like, all right, I'm I'm gonna make a channel because I mean, even ten years ago, YouTube had been around for six or seven years at that point, at least, and, and pretty mm -hmm. pretty broadly as well. But like, what was the thing? Was there a specific moment or thing where you go, okay, I see a void here that I can fill in wrestling coverage or wrestling media in general? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea had actually rattled around in my head for a couple of years before that because I was active on YouTube in college um, in the very early years of YouTube. It's where a lot of my like school projects ended up. Mm -hmm. And if you look for the Brian's, the personal Brian Zane YouTube channel, which I've long abandoned, but all my old products are on there. So you can see, you know, 20, 21 year old me and my friends like doing stupid skits uh, that I did for, for uh, college credit. Um, but I was doing that for a long time. And even during that time, I was kind of thinking, wouldn't it be funny to do some kind of like wrestling variety show or some kind of wrestling sketch comedy show? Uh, and I had all these ideas, but they never went anywhere because they didn't have like the equipment or the <clears throat> connections or the manpower for a crew or anything. And so I kind of had that idea for a while. And then I, I, I was also, like I said, a fan of like Doug Walker and, and uh, James Rolfe and watching their content and seeing a bunch of other people in that same kind of genre of like nerdy guy doing, you know, funny video essays about dumb things and whatever form of media they cover and it's like no one was really doing that for wrestling at the time and so i was like well why don't i do it and that's kind of like how it began but again it took a long time for that idea to actually get to the point where i'm like okay now i'm gonna do it and so like i let these ideas kind of build up and finally like i got a camera like this cheap 80 dollars jvc avario camcorder which only turns on when you flip open the side viewfinder oh, wow so that's the kind of technology i was working with at the time and uh i had like a few core ideas where i'm like okay these would be good topics for like a video essay and just like i put out like four of them like really close to each other and then i kind of do some more so like that was the whole concept of this i just wanted to kind of be that type of critic or that kind of content creator but talk about wrestling because no one had really done it to that level with that level of like editing and like writing that sort of thing because people were on youtube talking about wrestling but it was all like what happened on raw last night yeah. you know and that's something i at the time didn't really want to do so when when you first start out do you already have like a significant list this show is sponsored by better help if you had an extra hour in your day what is the first thing that you would do read a book take a nap play some video games do something for a friend volunteer a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just like, this could be covered, this could be covered, this could be covered. How does that process work? Because at that point, you, you got sort of a clean slate. There's there's no topics that you've covered. You haven't hit these things over and over again. So, like, what were some things initially where you're like, okay, well, that would be a big one for this type of episode or et cetera? Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've got, like, somewhere deep in the recesses of this computer, there's some <laughs> Word document that has, like, all the ideas I ever came up with in that first year. And I have like a lot, a huge list of things. And most of them have been turned into videos since then, or like the early versions of like, what if I just try and do a long form video on like pain? And then like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like an hour long video. There's no way I'm doing this. So like, what if I just condense that into like a listicle and just do a countdown of the particularly bad things? Yes. Um, yeah, and like, there's so many ideas and there's still more. And that, the great thing about wrestling is, is like for as much stuff as there is in the past and there's an ever expanding stuff that's happening in the future and the present there's always like wrestling wrestling is always happening uh, often in spite of itself and so i think that when you've got that kind of that amount of content like available and amount of topics like there really is no limit and uh i've just been i was really lucky to have kind of like this early list of things where it's like wrestling's got a lot of stuff you can like make fun of and put to video and i was funny because i think the other another kind of thing i closely compare myself to is wrestle crap i don't know if any of y'all remember wrestlecrap.com it's still around uh hosted by rd reynolds and um it was uh that was kind of my early entry into like covering wrestling in a comedic way because when i was in college i discovered that website and then i spent about in high school and i discovered it and it was um yeah, that was it was phenomenal to see this stuff. And I was other um writers kind of do very similar things. That was kind of the entry point for me. So in a written sense, I kind of consider myself the video form of wrestlecraft.com where there's always little things here and there of these really just like questionable ideas and gimmicks. And yeah, like if I don't think too hard about it, I can actually make a pretty clever video about it, you know, but don't overthink it. So whether, like, speaking of overthinking it, not overthinking it, I'm, I'm interested in your prep for, like, your classic pay-per-view reviews as well. Like, you going back and watching previous SmackDowns, or you kind of, do you kind of remember that stuff? Because some people have that that memory that where you sort of catalog that. Like, how, how do you prepare for something like that, uh, that maybe you have a great recall on? Maybe you don't. Yeah, like I will say, like the time period that I have the most fun covering is all the stuff that I remember watching the most vividly. So, sure. like Attitude Era to like 
ruthless aggression era is the stuff that I probably of WWE specifically is like the stuff that I have the best like inner knowledge of. But I will still go back and I watch those like Raws and Smackdowns like in the month leading up to it, just to give me kind of a refresher course on like what's happening. But I yeah, also it's like I, I do that like watching any show now. I watch like the previous you know four or so weeks of, of TV programming to get an idea because like I used to when I was doing the classics at the beginning. I would just kind of go in with no context and you can see that in some of the ways I, I cover those things. Um, but I try to be as informed as possible now. So I am trying to like, you yeah. know, watch that stuff. And even with the things that I'm like, I just covered fully loaded 98, which is kind of like the beginning point of my fandom that time of year. So it's like a lot of these things that we're seeing on raw at the time is still like, Oh my God, I still have very, very close memories of these things happening. Like undertaker, unmasking his cane yes. for the first time and just some of those crazy moments and he um it's just like that's so that's the most vivid to me but yeah I, I try and do my due diligence and i'll like watch the shows and like i'll listen to any kind of podcasts i can about it like i take the pritchard and bischoff podcast with a little bit of a grain of salt but it is good to have the context of like the time and like setting the table figuring out what was going on at that time getting their insight on it is helpful um and so i just try and like and i'll you know find other content out there it's like other things like lists about what happened at this show just trying to like give myself as much of a education on it as i can before i like you know finish, finalize my notes and sit in front of the camera and film i understand you, you did some training years before this even how do you feel like that that may have helped you or, or did it in this particular situation because content creation is different but I've always felt when breaking down a match that the fact that I did some training, it really benefited me in that regard because you can kind of see if something goes completely awry. Because in wrestling, there are situations, we can point to the Jeff Hardy thing a few weeks ago, a lot of people thought that was unintentional. It's kind of up for debate now, but then you look back at certain situations, and you're like, oh, he's done that before, and this is how he landed, this is how it worked. Uh, how do you feel that benefited you or did it? Yeah, and it's funny, Christopher Daniels, a few years ago in AEW, had a very similar thing where he yes. does that springboard and he slipped and like, yeah, that's that's totally a work. But yeah, I think, you know, I trained to wrestle for a few years uh, when I got in, it started at, I was like 18 or 19 when I started. And I trained with Buddy Rose and uh, Ed Ruskowski, nice. better known as Colonel De Beers. And that was a great education. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't the most athletically gifted, you could tell. And it <laughs> was, uh, you know, it. I, I wrestled for a year and I transitioned into managing about a year after that. I've been doing that kind of thing ever since. But I think having that knowledge, like it's not a requirement to be uh, an observer or a critic of wrestling, but I think having that knowledge certainly helps because what it does for me is like, I'm always going to be sympathetic toward like the wrestlers themselves. I, I rarely if ever will attack a wrestler, you know, yeah. um, for a storyline or a character or whatever, I kind of kind of point that at the people who, who wrote that. Uh, and wrestling is, you know, it's a very, it's it, it can be a difficult thing for even the most ardent experts. And so, like, I kind of overlook botches and things like that. And um, it's just like it just gives me the added context of like what a wrestler is going through because uh, not everyone knows that. And you can talk about it all you want, but I think unless you actually get in the ring and feel that and try and work a match, like you're not really ever going to know. You mentioned Angry Video Game Nerd. Did you have any other influences, like even beyond his Angry Video Game Nerd stuff? I remember watching, like, you know what's bullshit and stuff like that that he did that I really enjoyed. But did you have any other particular influences that, that maybe helped shape what you do? 
Oh yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, I get a lot of my humor from, and especially like the, the way I talk and deliver jokes. I kind of got a lot of that from my dad. Uh, you know, I also big fan of Weird Al Yankovic my whole life. And so I get some of my humor from that. Uh, my favorite comedian is like Patton Oswalt. So some of the, the, some of the delivery, some of the humor comes from that. Um, and like I mentioned also wrestlecrap.com, um, it's like that's I'm trying to think of some other influences, but those are the biggest ones. Like Looney Tunes is something that I've always kind of considered a big like nice. creative comedic influence for me. It's those Warner Brothers cartoons. Um, yeah, it's just been kind of a big hodgepodge. And then some of my other friends and stuff who I've kind of known for a long time. Like that all kind of feeds into my general sense of of being and just kind of awareness and observation. Uh, for the most part. But yeah, I'd say those are kind of my biggest influences. And as far as like aesthetically and in terms of like a style, it definitely comes from like that nostalgic critic vibe. But I mean, I'd like to think that I'm doing something a little bit different now than like that original format. I think if you watch the progression of my videos from like year one to now, it's like it's markedly different. So we we had mentioned uh, mentioned your influences and all that, but if not wrestling, would you be creating content for something else? Would it be like movies or video games or I don't know checkers or backgammon even? Like who knows? <laughs> I thought about that because like I think I would have made videos like regardless. I would have wanted to take advantage of like the YouTube platform. Um, I probably would have done something like movies and stuff, but like that 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 market has already been filled so much. It's like it, it would have been hard to get a foothold. Um, you know, I kind of defined my life in various phases based on like what I was obsessed with at the time. You know, that autistic brain of mine. Like, okay, when I was little, little, it was like nothing but Ninja Turtles, and then it was like nothing but Power Rangers, and then it was nothing but Star Wars slash South Park was kind of tied for first for a while, and then like wrestling happened, and that was it for me. Like wrestling in '98, and so. I think in an alternate timeline, you know, maybe I would have been a, a South Park YouTuber or That's a Star cool. Wars YouTuber or something like that. Or maybe some other go or Dallas is, is would, have, would have caught my eye and I would have been hooked on that if, if not for wrestling. But uh, no, I'm glad it, I'm glad it was wrestling because, I mean, wrestling to me is just like always so fun. It's fun to talk with people about it. It's fun to even debate with people about it uh, from time to time. It's just like it's fun to kind of like share the love of wrestling like growing up when i became a fan of wrestling not too many people shared my love of it even though it was the hottest thing at the time in the late 90s like i had so few friends who were like actually into it um and my parents sure as heck did not care for me liking wrestling either Same. so it, yeah it was just kind of hard but uh yeah that's kind of what's so great about now because we have like the communities that we form through social media and like my channel and it's like it's people talking about wrestling and enjoying wrestling and that's kind of the end of the day what I want to do. I know this is a question you get a lot, and I know that I saw it when I announced that we were doing this interview. Somebody said, any advice for someone looking to start creating fun, evergreen wrestling content? Feels like Brian's the only one who feels the AVGN, but it's wrestling niche. And I think they answered their own question. You found something that you were unique at, and you excelled at it. Yeah, I mean, really the goal in YouTube that I learned early on was just like, you've got to find a niche and kind of exploit that. Because, yeah, at the time, nobody was really doing that style of video about wrestling. And so I thought, okay, I've got creative writing background. I've got like performance background from being like theater kid growing up and being in wrestling and being this character. And so like, yeah, let me, and you know, I have this knowledge about wrestling, so like, let me do it. And 
I think that paid off ultimately. Yeah, I think if you're able to find something that your unique selling proposition, your USP basically is a term I heard a lot working with salespeople in my uh, old day job, uh, find something about that and make that your thing. Um, and obviously now with how, however many channels there are, it's harder to find that one thing that makes you different or makes you stand out. But it's like, if it's not your production, it's like your personality or it's subject matter or it's something like that. It's got to be something that you do better than anyone else and you just have to keep at it. Like I, I always tell people that the most important things about success in YouTube are like patience uh persistence and also a whole lot of luck i think that if uh, everything else were the same if i started like two years after i did i don't think i would be you know like the channel wouldn't have grown the way it did or maybe even you know or maybe one year even um but yeah it's like there's always going to be evergreen content out there for wrestling like there's always stuff you can go back like there's always that there's the past there's like you know so much to add to the era ruthless aggression you know early tna there's always going to be stuff you can like find something and do a video about it um but as far as like long-term success is just you have to be you have to do something that makes you stand out what do you think is your masterpiece what do you think is the best piece of content that you've ever done like if if somebody were to say what are you most proud of uh what would it be i think honestly like it's kind of a toss-up for me because i love my movie reviews that's the thing okay. i get to have the most fun with because like if they're really bad i can like fire off gag after yeah. gag and just be like tear it apart and so those are the ones those are the ones i have the most fun with and so the ones i've had the most fun talking about are like the ultimate deathmatch movies um in which i appear briefly in the third one and that was kind of like one of my favorite moments in the channel was like that big twist of like oh my god like brian's in this thing what everything was a lie basically um like reviewing just another romantic wrestling comedy this really really bad movie that came out in the mid 2000s like i really enjoyed that one um also heroes of wrestling when i covered that i think it was in 2016 um that was uh one of my favorite videos just because of the amount of like work that went into it it was one of my first real serious collaborations and it was with adam blompier and so getting him, I thought, was kind of a coup for me at the time, um, considering how huge what culture was at that time and how big a part of it Adam was. And also we got Sinister Minister James Mitchell to come in at the end as kind of a surprise cameo was like something that I had never expected. And again, that was one of those things where it's like, oh, here's an actual like name. Here's somebody that people recognize. And like that person's in my little video about this thing. And um, that to me was, again, you know, that, that validation and just knowing that like this is working and this is like paying off. So yeah, and then around that time also I was working with Jim Cornette too. So it was just like getting, but that Heroes of Wrestling video for me was just like, I, I consider that to be one of my proudest works just because of like the topic, the accoutrement in the video and uh yeah it just it was definitely it was one i keep always i always bring up about being one of my favorites you also did uh, plenty performing with ring of honor as well i'm so interested to hear how that came about and and yeah how, how that was a thing i think from from 2019 up until about the end yeah exactly up until final battle 2021 20, uh, but the way that happened was i forget how but i was in contact with ian Riccoboni. Uh, we were DMing back and forth on Twitter for a little bit. I think he 
I think I discovered he was a fan of my work and I had asked him just like, Hey, like I have this reel for my managing work. Um, do you think, uh, do you think delirious Hunter would be interested? And he's like, well, if you can just send him, here's his email and you can, you can find out. I know he's a fan of your work too. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's also incredible <laughs> to hear that he was a fan. And so I reached out and they said, well, we don't really have a room for a manager, but I'd love to have you on for, you know, doing kind of a, uh, a host, a segment host kind of thing, like hosting a top five or whatever for our TV. Uh, you could do like, we could do a like backstage interviews for Death Before Dishonor. And so I was like, yeah, let me do that. And like, it, so managing wasn't my, it, managing was my first choice. Doing backstage broadcasting stuff, like that wasn't really something I had thought about doing. But the more I did that with ROH, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do now. I thought like, you were really good at it. Thank you. And managing's fun, but it's like I've found such a fun groove and comfortable niche doing the backstage interviews and like hosting stuff and doing commentary. Like I have a lot more fun with color commentary, but I'm also doing play by play now with Pal Pro Wrestling. But yeah, getting to kind of like learn on the job with that in ROH to me was this like unbelievable experience. I remember Final Battle 2019, that was the weekend we did the show, the pay-per-view was in Baltimore, and then there was a show in Philadelphia two nights later for Final Battle Fallout, and in between that, there was an MC, or it was, I think it was Future Stars of Wrestling, or Future of Honor, I forget the name of the the, 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 shoot, the off-branch, but it was in MCW, it was in Joppa, Maryland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like doing something on all three nights where it's like, on Final Battle, I hosted, I had a couple segments in the pre-show. And then the next day in Joppa, I did ring announcing. I was pinch hitting because the ring announcer there was uh, couldn't make it. And so I filled it the last minute. And then the next day, we were in Philadelphia and I did commentary for um, one of the Fallout matches. And I was like, man, it's like, it's like wrestling. It's, like, it's kind of like wrestling fantasy camp in a way where it's like I'm put in this position of all these different jobs. I'm like, do I really belong here? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I just playing a role, but it was so cool. And like being with ROH was such a fun experience, such a rewarding experience. I learned like so much about so many things, like interacting with the wrestlers there. I learned so much about the craft of doing backstage interviews. Uh, like I'd say like Matt Taven, Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal, Maria Canellis Bennett were all really helpful to me in my like development of that. Zane Decker as the producer for the promos, who now works with AEW. Uh, he is a real gem. And I learned so much from those folks. And of course, also from like Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman on commentary. Um, Delirious was, was very helpful as well. It's like I had so much, a great support system there. And it was definitely one of like the coolest locker room environments I'd ever been in. And I've been involved in wrestling since 06. There's a lot of locker rooms, and I feel that this was the one where I'm like, this feels the most like a tight-knit group of guys and gals. Like, everyone's there with, like, a singular goal and a mission. And, yeah, from my experience, it was just an amazing time. And, you know, I'm disappointed that it ended. Um, but gonna, I'm I was always... going to ask how you found out about that, because everybody I talked <laughs> to, it feels like they, some people were on the Zoom. Other people just didn't know until they got word about the Zoom call. I was on the Zoom when we found out that Final Battle and the TV tapings before that were going to be it. Mm -hmm. um, so I was there. I saw the reactions from, from my colleagues, and it was like, it was devastating, you know? It was very shocking. And um, 
yeah, that's how I found out about that. And it was an emotional time. Like um, the tapings, I want to say, because the tapings came like a couple weeks before Final Battle. Tapings to me felt a lot more emotional to seeing the people around because that was a larger base of wrestlers. Um, And I remember that last match that was taped, somebody started playing, I think it was My Way uh, at the end or some... (laughs) very emotional no uh no uh, it wasn't it wasn't green day that's too cliche i think someone did my way it was a very emotional song and like god it was like why they do that just twist the knife um and i think so that was the end of that and then uh super card of honor was going to happen in texas yeah uh for wrestlemania weekend and then i was told that i was going to be on that show it was going to be me and denise salcedo uh we were going to be kind of co-hosts together during that show and then the next day, the news came that Tony Khan bought ROH. And then, wow. like, eventually, I just like I, I reached out and I, I was told I wasn't going to be part of the show, and that's fine. I thought Denise did a great job in her role, um, but that was kind of the way I the the, the uh, ROH time officially ended was at Final Battle Twenty One. Um, but it's like you know it happened, and I get why they did that, and it was just a thing where okay, this is going to motivate me that I want to continue doing this. And I would, you know, my goal at some point is to find, find, find my, find my place somewhere in that greater wrestling sphere, like doing commentary or doing interviews. Like, uh, that's kind of my goal right now uh, outside of the, of the channel. And I had long heard that since the takeover around the takeover, the communication wasn't exactly great there either with a lot of people. They didn't know. I, I had numerous people who were supposed to be booked for Supercard asking me if they were booked for Supercard. And I was like, I don't know, but here's who I think that you should reach out to. Like, it was a very confusing period for a lot of people, but uh, I really liked your work in ROH. Uh, I thought that it was was really, really good. I think they had a lot of people in ROH that, that were really shining through. I thought they made the best of their pandemic shows as well once they got them rolling, like, Mm-hmm. hearing the kingdom verbalized during their matches was always really funny. Like they'd both be out and you would hear one of them go, are you doing okay? And the other one's like, no, not at all. <laughs> like I thought, yeah. that, I thought it was great. I thought they made a lot of vast improvements during the pandemic. Those bubble shows, man, they were something else. Like I didn't start doing the bubble shows until a few uh, tapings in because it started out very much bare bones skeleton crew. And they would just incrementally add more people as the, restrictions loosened and everything and so i came about like partway through that year and it was like it was a trip seeing like the empty arena and just like the ring massive empty house and everything but like the giant led boards were cool yeah i think like i think the pandemic was it was very cool for roh because not only did they like not fire anybody roh paid me for a gig i didn't even work because of the pandemic i wasn't even yeah. a on where it's like i told them because i remember it was like right after WrestleMania weekend in Tampa, there was going to be like a, a show loop for ROH. That was when they were going to re, re-debut the pure title. And then the pandemic happened. It was shut down. But I already told them before the pandemic, like, I can't do this show because it's right after WrestleMania weekend. And I will not be able to have that time. So I already knew I wasn't going to be on there. But they paid me for that show anyway. And so I was like, that's very, very nice. Thank you, Ring of Honor, for that. Um but yeah, no, the bubble shows were great and their production and the choices they had, like doing incorporating a lot of like sports like statistics in that pure tournament, I think was something that really that whole tournament, I think, really kept ROH, um, kept it very interesting 
uh, during that pandemic time when there were no crowds and, you know, like you only saw what you saw after it aired, you know, you didn't get too many spoilers about that. Um, it was a really interesting time, uh, to not have fans for a while was very bizarre. Um, but then we would kind of slowly bring it back with different shows. Uh, but yeah, it was just every part of ROH, like even during those lean times or those weird uncertain times, like the pandemic, it was still like, uh, an amazing learning experience. And, uh, that that's the beautiful thing about your content is a lot of people get to learn along with, uh, along with being, being entertained as well. They're, they're catching up on things. Maybe they've never seen they're reliving things that they enjoyed, or maybe they didn't enjoy whatsoever, which uh, can sometimes provide some of the finer moments. Uh, what do you want to be remembered for in wrestling? Is it, if you had to pick one thing, what would you pick? Um, I think one of the most common compliments I get from viewers is like you ignited slash reignited the passion in wrestling for me. I got so many people saying, man, I saw, I fell off wrestling years ago, but I found your channel and now suddenly I'm, I'm getting it. I'm following it Love again. That. Or I wasn't a wrestling fan until I watched your stuff. Like if that's my biggest legacy is like, encouraging fans to follow wrestling and become fans or to become fans again, then I feel that that's it for me. You know, that's, that's my real legacy more so than just like the channel itself or anything in particular I may have said or done or who I worked for. Like that's the kind of legacy I want to leave. Just somebody who could influence people to fall in love with uh, this crazy business of ours. And even though sometimes it hurts us, yeah. Uh, I, I do get a lot of, I do get a lot of love back. And I think that's been, that's the thing I'm most proud of, I would say, as a content creator over the last 10 years. There was actually a, recently I had rewatched the Katie Vick storyline and yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it was so funny and ridiculous and stupid. And they're like, oh, how could you, you enjoy that trash? And I'm like, because I don't have to worry about what happens next Monday. I don't have to worry <laughs> about this affecting my livelihood right now because it's so bad i can go back oh, and yeah. look at it and say this is so hilariously stupid and the circumstances around it made it more enjoyable like somebody pitched this somebody said yes this is a good idea then as they're actively producing it nobody said we can't do this at all like there are so many steps that have to happen for this stuff to make tv people have to agree to do it like there's so many and I don't have to worry about it affecting my Monday nights anymore. I watch it whenever I want. Uh, mm -hmm. do, do you find that that's easier for you? Because you're like, okay, I can look at this with at least more fun lenses now. Exactly. I mean, like, I think that's a great example, the Katie Vick stuff, because like, I remember watching it live at the time. And of course, this is one of the, the times where, you know, your, your dad walks in on you when you're watching wrestling or something. And the one time it happens and, I had to turn away. Actually, this might have been after that, but it was like there was a time like that. But I think Katie Vick was one of the first times I actually like turned the TV off. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm done watching to, for tonight. And um, but of course, yeah, I mean, you watch back a lot of heinous stuff that was heinous at the time. But like, I feel now since then, my I've let my you know I've I've let things go a lot more. And I'm like not as uptight about certain things so especially if it is like in the past and like you said like we you know in hindsight everything from there it's like yeah you kind of sit back and go this is some goofy stuff you know <laughs> like it's just really 
you know, I'll I'll catch myself like something happening or a commentary line, and it's like totally throws me off guard, and it'll like have me wheezing. Um, it's I just feel like especially the older things, but yeah, it's like it's fun to watch back at that stuff, and I feel that there's kind of this untapped potential right now in my channel where it's like I can look at these things I talked about ten years ago and say with rel still relatively fresh memories about them. Oh my god, this is so terrible! It's so bad! It's awful! But now, if I I feel if I want to watch it again, I could probably get some more enjoyment out of it, and yeah. maybe have a different opinion. Uh, so I think there will be some content coming in the next uh, several months where I can kind of look back at that old stuff and kind of revisit my thoughts on that. it and see like, is it the same? Like, d does Red or Rumble still suck? Like, I don't know. Maybe ten years later, we'll see if, if what the jury says about that. So uh, as we wrap up, let the people know where they can find you. Obviously, wrestling with regret. Uh, but but anything else you got? Any channels, your Patreon, etc.? Yeah, well, my Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash wrestlingwithregret. I'm also heavily involved in POW Pro Wrestling based out of Eugene, Oregon. That has a YouTube channel. You can check that out. You hear my voice on it every week because I'm doing play-by-play, -play, and I also host. And I have I, I spend a lot of plates on that show, let's just say. Yeah. Um, you can also find me on <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Now at the very end of the interview, my voice is going. You can find me at Twitter – at Zena and Brian Zane. Uh, find me on Instagram at Brian Zane and my, my t-shirt page, prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestlingwithregret. Also, the shirt I'm wearing here is uh, for Mega Rand's new album, Wrestling is Real, People yes. are Fake. The final track and that is uh, the theme that he did for Wrestling with Regret. He put that out, he, he wrote it a couple of years ago and now it's finally got an official release. And so I'm just very, very, uh, very tickled that that song is now part of his uh, his discography. Love Mega Ran, and we appreciate you, Brian. Check out everything he's got. One of the most entertaining and, and one of the nicest guys involved in wrestling. Brian, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me. Till next time, guys. We're out. Nord. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. What more can I say that I haven't already said? Well, I'm going to have to say a few things because this is an ad read for NordVPN.com slash Fightful. You know, the way that I get UFC pay-per-views for uh, one-sixth the price, the way that I'm able to unlock lots of content, the way that I'm able to keep myself browsing safely and securely when I'm on the road or when I'm at home on all my devices. This bad boy right here, this bad boy right here, all these bad boys around here that you can't even see are all protected with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. A 30-day money-back guarantee. You already get a great deal on it. The amount in savings that I had the first month beat the price that I paid for the subscription itself. And again, works on all your devices with one subscription. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Check out their many great tiers and tons of other great features. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.